Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I want to talk to you today about doubt and uncertainty, because that is really the lethal weapon for anxiety and OCD. And more often than not, this issue is not tackled. It's not tackled in therapy and it's not tackled at home. We do a lot of other things to help our kids with anxiety and OCD, but we don't tackle the doubt and uncertainty. And if we do, we do the opposite of what is actually really helpful. We give reassurance, which sounds like a really wonderful thing to do, but it really perpetuates the anxiety and OCD. So you're probably like, what is she talking about now? (laughs) Hang in there with me because it's going to make sense. So this is really part two of a four-part series that I'm doing on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to episode 51, I would say stop listening to this one, listen to them in order because episode 51, 52, 53, and 54... Some of them are in the future now because we're only at episode 52 are all going to be interrelated and they're going to build on each other. So if you haven't listened to 51, you need to do that in order for me to make sense because I want you to get this information in a certain order. And if you haven't subscribed already, do that because you don't want to miss this series in this particular order because I'm going to outline how to do this step-by-step to help your kids with anxiety and OCD. So you can hit subscribe, or if you're not listening to it on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, one of those kind of platforms, you can even just join my newsletter and I leave a link in the show notes. And if you're on my website at anxioustoddlers2teens.com, there is a newsletter um, little widget that you can fill out. And every week I send out an email newsletter like, Hey, this is my new podcast. This is my new YouTube because one podcast and one YouTube video come out every week. So I am going to be doing something different. I should have mentioned this in my last podcast, but I totally forgot. I'm going to be doing YouTube videos that are going to be directly for kids for the next month because in my private Facebook group, which if you don't belong to, you should, I'll leave a link below, but In my private Facebook group, there was a lot of requests for me to do videos, YouTube videos, or podcast episodes directly to kids. People are saying, Natasha, can you do something that actually my kid can watch? And it's so weird. Within a week, it was like the universe really wanted me to get this message because I think it was last week, I got many, many comments in the private Facebook group saying, can you do YouTube videos for kids directly? And then people were emailing me and don't email me, by the way, I don't want that to be an invitation to email me because I I try not to respond because there's just too many, but I did get a lot of requests through there saying, Hey, could you just make some, some YouTube videos directly for kids? And then people are asking me, can I have my child take your online class as well? Or is it appropriate for them to watch? And it is, they are okay for kids to listen to. And my podcasts generally are okay for kids to listen to, but they're not directed at kids. So for the next month, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to do, ask the child therapist, 
directly for kids. And that way you can show your kids the videos anyway, tangent, but I just want to let you know that that's happening so that if you're not on my YouTube channel and you're like, Oh my gosh, that would be kind of cool. I want Natasha to talk directly to my kids. You can go there at youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddler 78 and subscribe there because for the next month, um, if you're listening to this already, I probably already have one video out. My first YouTube video is going to be understanding anxiety, but I'm going to be talking directly to kids to help them understand it. And then I'm going to be doing understanding. Well, I don't know what my other themes are. I have it mapped out, but I have no memory. (laughs) So I don't know because it's not in front of my face. Anyway, let's get back to talking about this episode because you're like, wah, wah, wah. Natasha talks a lot about nothing. I want to talk about doubt and not in a very ambiguous, abstract sort of way, but we're going to talk about it in a very concrete black and white sort of way. So you're going to need to know what your child's core fear is. So in episode 51, I helped you go down that rabbit hole and figure out what are the core fears you're dealing with, with your child. You need that information. So if you don't have it, put this episode on pause and you need to get that. So Now I'm going to assume that you know what your child's core fears are. And I'm putting an S on fears because you probably have a couple of them at least. You shouldn't have more than a handful. Otherwise, you're really not getting down to the core fear. Because we talked about the octopus last... (laughs) We talked about the octopus last episode. We don't want octopus legs. We want the octopus head. So if you have legs in there, that's not going to be helpful. So let's talk about what your child is fearful of. So if you took anxiety or if you took OCD and you really, really narrowed it down, it's all about doubt. What if I'm not safe? What if you're not safe? What if I die? What if you die? What if I do this and I harm someone? What if I'm a bad person? What if... I get a really horrible disease and I have cancer. What if I'm not, I can't think of any anymore. (laughs) What if I get sick and I throw up? What if people reject me? What if people laugh at me? Anxiety and OCD is all about not a hundred percent knowing. What if I didn't turn off the oven and the house burns down? What if that bump that I heard when I was driving my car was actually a person and I've hit somebody? It's all about doubt and uncertainty. Whether it's OCD or anxiety, that's what it comes down to is I'm not sure. What we need to teach our kids is that we all have to live with uncertainty and doubt. We all have to live in that world where we can't control the outcome. We can't control whether something bad happens to us or those around us. And anxiety and OCD likes to think that we do have control. And that's one of its most powerful weapons is to convince us that if we could just do this, then maybe we would have some control. Or if we worry about it enough and take enough precautions, we can prevent that from happening. And that's not necessarily true. And with OCD, it's very irrational. And it might be, you know, if I tap three times or if I, 
do something nonsensical, then magically I am making sure that that bad thing can't happen. So instead of dealing with all of those arms of the octopus, we want to deal with the core issue of doubt and uncertainty. So when we give our kids reassurance and we say, you're fine, that's not going to happen. Has it ever happened before? Guess what we're doing? We're getting them to not live with the doubt and they need to live with the doubt because if they can accept that we can't, we don't know that might happen. We don't know. And they learn to cope with that then anxiety and OCD loses its number one weapon because now we're just acknowledging that we don't know and bad things do happen and things do pop up. And so when we give our kids these global reassurances, you're fine. You're not going to throw up. Nothing bad's going to happen. No one's ever going to die. And then they do. What do we do with that? Now we're liars. Now OCD and anxiety have something that they can capitalize on and they can say, I thought you said that never would happen. I thought you said I would never throw up, but I did throw up. I thought you said I wouldn't get sick, but I did get sick. And so it tends to get us into a corner and it tends to use that as further ammunition against us. So instead, we want to work on teaching kids that we don't know. And that seems probably counterintuitive. And it seems like the opposite of what you want to do as a parent when you want to comfort your kids. But when we have them live with doubt, and when we talk about their core fear in that sense, then they, they learn how to let go of control. So let me give you some examples, because I feel like a lot of times when you talk about this stuff, it can seem very abstract. And you're like, I don't get how, the, how do I apply this to my kids? You just want me to tell them like, you're going to die. Just deal with it. (laughs) Suck it up. It's going to be bad. No, I'm not saying that, but let me give you some examples. So in last episode, I gave a couple of examples when we're trying to find the core fear and I want to use maybe some of those. Well, we talked about a girl in the last episode who was like just a composite of many, many kids I've worked with who was afraid of separate, she had separation anxiety. She was afraid of the safety of her mom. And this is so common. I'm using this one because it is so common. And it almost seems like every child has the exact same fear, core fear, and it manifests in the exact same way. So it's very classic clinical separation anxiety. I'm afraid that something bad is going to happen to my mom. And it's almost always the mom. That's just statistically true. If I'm not with her. And so The doubt is if I can't see my mom, hear from my mom, or talk to my mom, then she could be dead. That's pretty much the core fear. And so when I talk to kids, I don't say to kids, your mom is fine. Your mom is safe. Your mom is okay. Let's talk about how many different ways you can connect with your mom so that you can get the message that your mom is okay. Maybe you can call your mom at school. Maybe you can text her all the time. Maybe your mom can come and have lunch with you so that you at least can survive until she sees you at lunch. And then maybe your mom can sleep with you. And then maybe your mom can sit outside in front of your friend's house when you sleep over and, or maybe rent a hotel or stay somewhere really close so that she is just a heartbeat away. And then maybe you can Skype your mom while you're at your friend's house so you can see her and know that she's safe. No, that would all be 
horrible advice. (laughs) Now, some people go that route. Some therapists even go that route. Let's just try to make you as comfortable as we can. And it seems like the kind way to handle that kind of fear. You know, if my child is afraid of my safety, I'm going to just always make sure that they know that I'm safe. And it's interesting because a lot of times when I work with parents whose child has this theme, their kids have them so trained or they have their own anxiety, which is is highly likely too because it's genetic, where they wind up always texting their kids that they're okay. And so I have worked with many parents where they text their kids, hey, just got to work, doing okay. Hey, on my way home, I'm leaving work right now. Now, a lot of times the child has probably prompted that behavior, but I have worked with many families where the parent needs to do that just as much as the child does. So you have to kind of ask yourself, what part do you play in that? But that all seems like really great, great stuff because it's a love thing. We're like, oh, she loves me so much. She just wants to know I'm okay. But even though, yeah, that's great. It's just anxiety hiding as love. (laughs) It's not love. It's anxiety. And wouldn't it be great if your child felt confident enough and secure enough and non-anxious enough to enjoy their time when they're not with you and not have to know that you're okay, to know that they're going to come home at night and then they're going to find out if you were okay or not, because that is life. So when I work with kids who have separation anxiety and their core fear is, I'm afraid my mom is going to die if I'm not with her, instead of making them feel better by saying that can't happen. I talk to kids about control. Do you have any control over whether your mom is safe or not? No. And then I normally say this, which is probably sounds really disturbing, but I'll say to kids, older kids, I'll say, do you know that right now I have not seen my kids in six hours? I haven't seen my husband in seven hours and they all could be dead. (laughs) That's kind of my style of therapy. It depends. I mean, I have to know the kid, but, and they'll say, what? And I'll say, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't emailed them. I haven't texted them. I haven't gotten a call from the school, but I don't know. I mean, technically, yeah, something bad could have happened to them. Now, I don't think that happened because I do go home every night and they are all there and they're all healthy and fine, but I technically don't know that. And I can't control that. I can't control if something bad is happening to them right now. And it's really not going to make much of a difference if I find out now or two hours from now, because I don't keep them safe. So even if I'm with them, could bad things happen to them? And then the child normally says, yeah, yeah, I don't keep them safe. You don't keep your mom safe. So anxiety will lie to you and say that you can keep them safe. But in reality, none of us can control that. And that's okay because that's part of life. Part of life is that we have to give up some control and say, you know what? We can't control whether the people that we love are safe all the time or not. And that's really hard, but we can't control it. So that's kind of the language that I use with kids who have that kind of theme. And I would do that the same thing with kids who have emetophobia, who have a fear of throwing up. And if you haven't heard my podcast episode purely on emetophobia, you should listen to that. That's episode 35. So with kids who throw up, well, they don't throw up. Most of them don't throw up, but kids who have a fear of throwing up, some do throw up. But instead of saying to them, you're fine, you're not going to throw up. 
you're not going to get sick. Don't worry about it. No, I try to help them embrace the unknown. And so I might say to them, what's the worst part about throwing up? So you want to go to that core fear first, because even if you have a metaphobia, it's different for each kid. So some kids might say, I don't like the feeling of throwing up. Some kids will say, I'm afraid I'm going to choke if I throw up. Some kids will say, um, it's going to be embarrassing to lose control in front of other people. So it's interesting because just because you have a metaphobia doesn't mean that your core fear is the same with somebody else who has a metaphobia or a fear of throwing up. So you have to find out the core fear first because just because somebody has a general fear of throwing up doesn't mean that their core fear is the same as the next person. And that does matter because when we go and tackle doubt, I'm going to be having a very different conversation with a kid who's afraid of being embarrassed versus the child who's afraid they're going to dehydrate or choke because of it. That will be a different conversation. But in general, we want to say to someone like that, you can't control if you throw up. You think that if you wash your hands all the time and you avoid people who are sick, that you're not going to get sick, but you can't prevent that. And a lot of times I'll say to kids, it's in the air. You know, germs are in the air. We breathe it and you can't go around not breathing. It's everywhere. It is literally impossible to prevent getting the stomach virus once in a while. Now, and normally I'll say, when was the last time you got a stomach virus? And because stomach viruses don't happen often, a lot of times kids will say, I haven't thrown up in years. Now, this may not be the case for your child, and that's unfortunate. But for the bulk of kids who have this issue, ironically, they don't throw up a lot. Now, there are kids who do throw up a lot, and that's a different conversation. I can't really address every single scenario. But let's go with the majority of kids who haven't thrown up in a really long time. So those kids will say, I haven't thrown up like maybe maybe like three years ago. And I'll say, that's right. So I'll say, how many days are in a year? And a child will say, well, maybe they don't know. (laughs) It depends on their age. 365. So there's 365 days in a year. And you haven't thrown up in three years. All right, so now I have to pause and get my calculator out. (laughs) So you haven't thrown up in 1,095 days. So how many days in the 1,095 days have you worried about throwing up? And so normally the child will be like, well, I worry about it every day. So you've worried about throwing up for 1,095 days and you've only thrown up one in the 1,095 days. So what I'm trying to do is put perspective, but also that they have no control over it. So you can choose to be worried about throwing up every single day and be miserable every single day. And ironically, your dictator or your Mr. Bossy or whatever you call it at your house will make you feel nauseous because you're worried about throwing up. There's kind of some irony in that. And so you're going to feel sick to your stomach every single day, or you can say, you know what? I can't control whether I throw up and I'm going to just let go of that because I can't control it. It's going to happen no matter what. It's not going to happen often, but when it does, I can't control it. So I'm going to let go of control. So that's how we try to get kids to embrace doubt and uncertainty And it will be different for different core fears, but I just wanted to give you some examples so you kind of get the gist of what I'm talking about. 
But up next, I want to talk to you about a very cool therapeutic tool that I learned recently and I love using, and I feel like it's something that you could probably do at home as well. So stay tuned. That's what's up next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Welcome back. So I want to talk to you about a way to help your child really understand and accept uncertainty. And so I went to um, International OCD Foundation does these advanced trainings. And I went to one recently, like a few months ago. And the best takeaway that I got from the entire thing, I mean, there were some really good takeaways, but one of the best things I got was something called safety scripts. I had never heard of it before. I'd never used it in my practice. And it was a very cool approach that I've been doing ever since I came back from that advanced training. And I've been impressed with how effective it's been because I wasn't quite sure. So they're called safety scripts. And in OCD treatment, they do something called imaginal scripts where when you're trying to do exposures, and we'll talk a lot about that in episode 53 and 54, So if you don't know what I'm talking about, we'll get there. But in OCD treatment, they do a lot of exposures to the child's triggers. And sometimes they'll write these scripts that are kind of about their worst fears so they can kind of be exposed to them. And we'll talk about that next episode because this is part two of of a four-part series. But there was another thing called safety scripts, which is totally different and interesting and very effective, where you write out a script, basically just a fancy word for just like a paragraph of kind of like a reality check. You're, you're addressing the doubt and uncertainty. So for somebody who's afraid of getting sick, their script might sound something like, I can't control if I catch a stomach virus. There are germs everywhere I go. I could be breathing in germs and not be aware of it. No matter how much I wash or how much I don't touch things or how many things I avoid, I still cannot prevent myself from getting sick. And so it's something simple like that. Or if they have separation anxiety, their safety script might be something like, I can't control if my mom is safe. When she is not with me, I can't control if something bad happens to her or not. My mom takes good care of herself. She's a good driver, but I can't control if something bad happens. When I'm with my mom, I'm not preventing something bad from happening to her. So basically what you're doing in a safety script is you are, you're reinforcing that the child has no control and you're getting them to accept that. For example, if you had a child who has harm OCD and they're worried that they might harm somebody else, a safety script might read something like, I can't control if I touch something and somebody else gets sick because I have germs on my hands. I can't control if something I do 
accidentally causes an accident or harm to somebody else. You just want to take whatever their core fear is and whatever the doubt is around that core fear and wrap it up into a safety script. So if they're afraid of dying or storms or whatever, you would just write a safety script. And I I do like to sprinkle in a little bit of comfort in there. So, you know, like with the separation anxiety, I did sprinkle in my mom's a safe driver and she knows how to take care of herself, but I can't control blah, blah, blah. So you do want to sometimes sprinkle in a little bit of comfort, but not too much because that's not the purpose of this. The purpose is to really just accept that you have no control and that that is how life is. Now, I would say that you can't do a safety script for every core fear, and I wouldn't do a safety script for younger kids. And so you really want to partner with the child. And you know, if you listen to any of my online classes, that I'm very big on partnering with your child. Your child, and I tell the kids that come into my practice this all the time, and I tell the parents of the kids, I say to the child, you're in the driver's seat. And I say this a lot in my online classes. You're the one driving. We are just the passengers. And so you decide if you want to make a left turn or a right turn, how fast you're going in the car, how slow you're going in the car. We don't have a say in that. And we shouldn't because we are just here to help you navigate. So as a passenger, I might tell you, Hey, you know, there's a great way to navigate, or I can give you tips, but you're the one ultimately driving. And so with safety scripts, it's the exact same way. You want to partner with your child and say, hey, there's this thing you want to go over first, you know, their core fear. So you figure that out. And then you talk about doubt and uncertainty, the way that I just talked about before the break. And then depending on their age, you say, you know, what can really help is like, let's just write this down and talk about how you don't have any control over this. And you can read it every day, or you can read it when you get nervous and see what they think about that. Now, not every core fear, like I just said before, really fits into a safety script. So I have done safety scripts for kids who have a fear of throwing up. I have done safety scripts for social anxiety, um, that there are going to be people who don't like me. There are going to be people who uh, make fun of me. There are going to be people who aren't going to like me no matter what I do. And I can't control that. So Um, let's see, I've done it for social anxiety. I've done it for separation anxiety, fear of throwing up. Um, In OCD, I do a lot in OCD, more OCD than anxiety, but I can, the first three that I just talked about are all anxiety related, but for OCD, I've done it for people who are afraid of contamination. Um, No matter how much I wash my hands, no matter how much I wipe, I cannot control whether I get sick or not because germs are everywhere and I can't control whether I get sick. I've done it for fear of plastic. That's a very common OCD theme um, related to, you know, toxicity. I cannot avoid all plastic. I cannot avoid all things that my OCD says can cause cancer because plastic is everywhere in my world and I can't avoid it. Even if I think I'm avoiding it, I'm probably not because it's everywhere. So I've used it for contamination and harm OCD, um, moral OCD for older kids. I can't control what thoughts I'm going to have. OCD is going to make me have some uncomfortable thoughts. So you can use it for moral OCD. 
you could pretty much use it for, for many OCD themes, but there are other things that you can't use it for. Like when I think about my son and we talked about him in the last episode and his fear of poking and he's only eight, I don't think I would do a safety script for that. I would just tell him, you know, things are going to poke us, but I don't really think I would have to really deal with doubt and uncertainty because it's not really driving that fear. So you have to see whether it fits or not. But it is a very cool tool for a lot of anxiety issues and a lot of OCD issues. And if you just have the child read it periodically, some of the kids I work with will print it out and post it in their room. Some will have a timer on their phone and like once a day it goes off and they read the script. That helps to kind of get them to accept that they don't have control, accept uncertainty. So I just wanted to bring that to you because I feel like for a lot of different anxiety core fears and a lot of different OCD themes, it's a wonderful tool. So hopefully that will help in your home and in your world. Next week, we are going to be talking about what ERP is, exposure response prevention, and why it's so effective. So I'm going to break down ERP. I did do a YouTube video on ERP a while back, and you can find that on my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toller 78. But I think spending a longer time just explaining ERP to you is going to be probably helpful because then in episode 54, we are going to be talking about ideas, different ideas and brainstorm ideas on what you could do with your own kid. That was kind of a request from my private Facebook group. So I thought that's a really good topic. But before I did that topic, I was like, I have to really outline and build up to what ERP is. Because if you don't know your child's core fear, and then you haven't dealt with the doubt and uncertainty, ERP isn't really going to be as effective as it could be if you did all this stuff before. So if you're enjoying my podcast, you can give back very easily by just pressing a star if you listen to iTunes or leaving a review. I greatly appreciate that. So helping the show out, click a star. That'll take you five seconds, you know, leave a review. That'll take you 30 seconds. And I appreciate it. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And until next Tuesday, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.